This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. and welcome to Sightlines, your guide to the visual arts in and around Dunedin. I'm Sally McMillan and this show is brought to you on behalf of the Dunedin Public Art Gallery Society. This month we discuss the role of technology in art with goldsmith Tony Williams and photographer Jennifer Belt. But first, here's DPAG Society President Ross Curry with what's happening in the Dunedin art scene. This is Snapshot. This month we're mainly looking at what's on at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery. Yes, the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, Sally, has a suite of new shows recently installed, much to stimulate and provoke, with a special focus on film and photography. Yasmina Kipik is a London-based Slovenian artist who works across film, performance and installation. The gallery hosts her first solo exhibition in Aotearoa called Charm Offensive. This show delves into the politics and gifting of names as an act of colonisation and political coding. Alongside this, Kibik will also show her 2021 three-channel film, The Gift. The exhibition raises questions about cultural gifting as a tool for power and political dominance. Vital Machinery is another exhibition that features recent works by five New Zealand contemporary artists. Connor Clark, Selena Irshadi, Janet Lilo, Meg Porteous and Louise Menzies. These artists work across photography and moving image and the works invite consideration of the relationship between the artist, the content and the lens and how we can consider the histories of lens-based art practices. Emily Floyd, a Melbourne-based artist, has been the DPAG Creative New Zealand Toy Aotearoa International Visiting Artist for 2022. Her exhibition marks the end of her residency and is called Keeping It Complex, Keeping It Connected. Education, care and childhood are ongoing concerns in Emily's research. She turns to resources that guide educators and shape thinking and practice. Expect a show that is colourful, joyous and surreal. There will also be a series of programme events and workshops around this exhibition, so please visit the gallery website or inquire at the shop for more information. And after all this stimulation at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, what else is on offer, Ross? Well, you can go down Stewart Street and grab yourself a cup of coffee, then you can pop into Gallery De Novo on the corner of Stewart Street and Murray Place, which has its annual paintings in the round show, called appropriately Around Christmas. There's a wide range of artists featuring this ever-popular show opening on December the 2nd. Thanks, Ross, and now it's time for our feature item. This month, Sightlines explores the role of technology in art. We ask the question, does technology in art devalue craftsmanship or enhance it? Ross will be talking to two members of the Otago Art Society who have passionate and contrasting views with practices to match. Tony Williams is an acclaimed local goldsmith who values the traditional technology-free approach to his craft. He's committed to working with his hands and he foregoes computer-assisted design software in favour of hand-drawn sketches. Tony, you've told me that the workshop you now work in would be very similar to a goldsmith working in the 16th century, apart, of course, from the halogen lighting. 
What does this tell us about your approach to art? I suppose it is traditional in terms of technology. I do also have an electric drill. I think there's a whole heritage there. I like the fact that when you hold a piece of my jewellery, you are actually holding something which is in some ways made by every single craftsman before me. It's a part of a piece of heritage. Um, Even though my designs may or may not be contemporary, it, it holds that whole heritage behind it. And what does handworking enable you to do? The, the process of working actually does impact on what you produce, the way you do it. If, you know, even on drawing, which if I draw in a pencil, it is a different result from if I draw in a pen, which is different from something else. So the whole thing, there is a bounce back between what you do and the way you do it. So I start making something, I take a piece of silver and I carve it, and it will give me a result. I take a piece of wax and do the same carving, it will be different. I take a piece of steel, do the same carving, it will be different. There's a feedback and a to and fro with traditional methods, which is really important. Part of the skill is choosing the materials suited to the piece. And so I draw on all the heritage that I have acquired over the years, which are now rather too many of them, and this gives me the resources to do what I want. And there's still places where I think, damn, I could have done this better. If only I had these skills, I could have done that. But I try and make the most of what what I've got, what I've been privileged enough to learn. What technology could you have used had you chosen to, and how have you adapted to not using it? I haven't had to adapt to not using it because I'm not using it. Um, <laughs> but the obvious one is CAD design. Um, and can, a lot you, can you explain what CAD compu- is for our listeners? Please? Yeah, sure. Computer-aided design. There was a jeweller who used to work upstairs from me when I had my gallery in town. And she was a jeweller and she sat in front of her computer and she put, had whatever programs she has and you pull this together and you can say say to it I want a ring and I want it this wide this thick and I want settings down here and then she only ends up with a file of this ring she sends it off to somebody who will print it out in wax and it will then be cast whether she did her own finishing I am not sure but basically it is hands off all the way and I use outworkers but it's not the same as getting a computer to do it for me I think there is a line. It's a continuum on technology from no tools at all through to artificial art. But there is a line, I think, when you're getting a computer to do it for you. And that's a line I'm certainly not prepared to cross. No interest. And I think it shows. It shows in the work you see. I look at jewellery in Flash magazines. I look at jewellery in Michael Hills. And it's, you can see that that's how it's been done. This is not human stuff. It doesn't have the soul. It doesn't have the heart. What does a piece of jewellery with a a soul and a heart that's handmade look like? It's part of being human. I don't think you can sort of pin it down and say it's this or that. There will probably be imperfections, but there is... It is part of the sort of blood and guts of being human. You know, I literally sweat blood into my jewellery sometimes when I slip and I, I have scars on my hands. And this is part of that whole thing. This is about being human, about being not being a machine. It's about, yeah, I, I, it's not explainable and it's certainly not a tangible thing you can measure. It's a little bit like, the difference, if you like, is I talk to jade people, people and they say there was a, 
argument years ago about New Zealand jade versus imported jade, nephite we're talking here, Benam if you like. And they said, the, my gemologist said, I can't tell the difference, gemologically speaking. And my jade carving friend said, I can't tell the difference either on one piece. But if there's a window of it, I'll know where it's from. Um, and it's that subtle. But it's there. Does the extended use of technology raise questions as to what is original? Ooh, I'm sure it does. But we all have a bit of this problem because we're all working off a base. I worked for Grima in London, and I know that my first pieces I made had a lot of Grima in them. And um, we all come from somewhere. You don't have design coming out unless you have something going in. That was a lesson I learned at college in 1968. But isn't that no. the case for all aspects this of the is, art? Absolutely, world. it is. But when you are drawing in something which is semi ready made, you have to, I think, again, cross, for me, a line. And people will draw these lines in their own place. But for me, you have quite clearly crossed a line. It is this thing of taking a finished thing and then modifying it. And yet, when I look at myself, I take a gemstone and I accept the gemstone as a, as if it was a finished thing. I don't modify the gemstone. I don't have those skills or knowledge. It's a whole separate art. So I take components in. But to take in some, something else off a computer would, for me, cross that line. Does technology enable a greater speed of production and greater productivity? Oh, probably. So? <laughs> that doesn't, that's <laughs> doesn't not worry me at all. To you. I have accepted from the day I started making, by ha- making jewelry, making things, that you are in competition, if you like, with production. And when I was on the Crafts Council and the Marketing Committee, um, I used to say, and I would still say, that if the handmade product isn't I think I said three times nowadays, I'd say ten times as expensive as its commercial equivalent, you are underpricing. And if you can't justify that difference, you're in the wrong business. You have to know why you are doing something which is going to cost more. Um, And you have to know that it has got so much more soul, so much more heart, that it is special. And as somebody who's been in the trade for quite some time, the market obviously um, is in agreement with you. I'm lucky in that I'm a jeweller because jewellery has always maintained this. I think it was much harder for potters and people. But yes, people who understand jewellery understand what it's about. And I have clients who know more about jewellery than I do. How does that feel as a jeweller? Wonderful. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) wonderful. You know, these these are people who really understand. Mm. Retailers and private clients, these are people who really know what I'm on about. And yes, they don't have to ask, why is this better than the commercial? They know inside themselves. So it makes a rewarding partnership, doesn't it? Absolutely. It's, It's absolutely wonderful. So recently, Jason Allen, the American artist who won an award with the use of artificial intelligence software has stirred up a bit of a hornet's nest in the in America at least. And he noted that critics are labelled as the gatekeepers. Critics of technology and art are labelled as the gatekeepers. What's your response to that label? I hadn't heard that label before, but for me, art is partly about being human. And the dirty, messy business of being alive is part of what it is. 
And so I'm sidestepping your question a bit, but that is my response to Jason's art. It sidesteps humanity. And I think art is about being human. Tony Williams, thank you very much for joining us today on Sightlines. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. My next guest is Jennifer Belt, a local art photographer for whom technology is central to her art. And Jennifer argues that Photoshop is a key element in her creative journey. Jennifer, welcome to the show. As an art photographer, you have a high-tech practice. Tell me how you enhance the photographs. Hi, Ross. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Using Photoshop as a means of expressing the vision in my head to me. When I'm shooting, my mind is looking to where I can take the image with post-processing in Photoshop. Although you must always start with a good, sound, in-camera image in terms of composition, exposure, etc., The aim is still for me to achieve a simplicity of colour, line and shape. The feel of an image is all important, but for me, Photoshop is a way to further enhance the image to achieve what I saw and felt through my lens. Do you always have an idea of what your, your vision is for the image before you start? It's a 50-50. Sometimes you look and you go, oh, I know where I can take that. I know what Photoshop can give me. Other times you just know there's something there, but until you pull the file into Photoshop and just play around a little bit, something will pop up. But it always starts with an in-camera image and a really good quality image. In your case, does technology enhance or devalue the craftsmanship? Uh, For me, it definitely enhances it, but there's a proviso that you cannot rely on the technology. You have to use it intelligently. It has to enhance the image and ensure that it's going to give me what I initially felt when I was looking through my camera. You have to have empathy for the image, and I like to retain the soul of what I originally saw. So you're talking about what you're doing with Photoshop in relation to the image, right? Yes, that's right, yeah. Right. Mm. Okay. Is there any technology you could use but you don't? I do use a fairly hefty Nikon camera, which is a bit of technology in itself. But it's about, and obviously I use Photoshop, which is heavy technology, but it's about knowing your equipment and your software so well that you can actually forget about it and just enhance your image on, you know, and process your image without thinking too heavily about the technology. You need to know your equipment so you can forget it and I only use the technology that I need to fulfil my vision. Your camera is is not at the top end of the range, right? No, it's definitely not. It is a fairly hefty one, but I, you know, you could spend thousands more and get a top end pro model, but mine is definitely, it does what I need it to do, and even though it's 10-year-old technology, I will never outgrow it. Yeah, it still gives the basics of what you need in a very good camera. How has technology enhanced your skill set? When I originally started taking photographs, it was all film. And I got to a point where I couldn't get on film what I was seeing through my lens and where my vision wanted to go. Then digital technology and Photoshop came on the scene and I found it allowed me to still be a photographer, but to take my image to where my heart wanted it to go. So can you just explain to me about the transition between film and digital work? How, how difficult was that process, that journey? There was a gap, actually. I was getting frustrated with film, um, didn't have the funds at the time to um, go fully into the digital technology. 
um, pick up the new digital camera. So I actually put down my camera for a while and picked up a paintbrush instead. Now, as you know, with painting, it's whatever you want on the canvas. And then I had an opportunity uh, about uh, 18 months later to pick up a really good quality secondhand digital camera and it all started again from there. So it was almost a clean break and a new pickup. Yeah. Can you tell us what was frustrating about the film? I say we, there was a group of us doing relatively similar things. We were using double exposures, we were using two pieces of film in the same frame, we were using quite a lot of um, interesting techniques, as much as you could get in camera, you know, and then do that twice and put the film together and see what you get. But I still wasn't quite getting what I wanted, so it was a little bit frustrating. So mm. in terms of what you wanted it wasn't you weren't getting the vision that you had. I wasn't no it was it was giving me some but I wanted to take it further and yeah I just wasn't getting it through the film. Are you the primary designer or is the design primarily technical? Uh, I am very much the designer. I'm in control of every part of that image of every pixel of that image. It's designed to my vision. Photoshop can suggest, but I will make sure that every corner of that image, every square, looks exactly like I want it to look. And Photoshop is flexible enough for you to be able oh, to Oh, very do that. much so. And that's part of what I mean about knowing your tools so well that you don't have to think how to do that. You just instinctively know you can tweak that and you can tweak this and you can tweak that and, yeah. Some might argue that your photos have been enhanced and they're no longer original. I don't agree with that. Um, every image that I create starts with an image of my own photography. They're original creations from my head and from my heart. Um, they're not the work of Photoshop, but they're my vision. Yes, they're created and enhanced in Photoshop, but everything is done to what I want. It's my hand on the mouse controlling that program to get what I want. You know, My head, my heart rules every time. If I don't like what Photoshop gives me, I'll change it. <laughs> Do you sometimes have clients who have got their own vision and want you to help realise that? That's where I differ. I don't have clients per se. I create, and if someone likes it enough to buy it, that's how I operate. Yeah, I, I'm very much all about my vision, and if the world likes it, well, that's a bonus. <laughs> Fair enough. There's been a bit of a hoo-ha in, in America of late from the art community, a negative response um, to the increasing use of technology and technological tools. Do you think it's overblown or um, valuable, this debate between technology and art? Yeah, that's a hard one. Because when you talk about art community, there's different aspects of the art community so everyone has different opinions so some part of the art community will not like it other parts of the art community will absolutely love it it depends where you want to place yourself along that scale to me is it art yes is would I put my name to it if it's created by AI no that's where I sit along the scale. Okay. <laughs> so you won't be using artificial intelligence? Not any time soon. soon. <laughs> I am married to a camera. I, for me, the whole process starts with a camera. It does not start with a computer. 
Good. It sounds like it's been a fairly long marriage. <laughs> it has, actually. It has. I'd be admitting to a number I don't want to, but it's been a very long marriage. Yeah. I've gone through three or four film cameras and a couple of digitals. <laughs> but the one I have now, it's a Nikon. I love it. It, it will last the distance. And you can use it with your eyes closed, as it were. You could if you wanted to. It has a it has a setting that you can pick it up and press the button, and it will do everything. I don't use it, but yeah, it is uh, definitely one that you can fully control every aspect of it, or you can just put it on automatic and let someone else pick it up and take a photo. But as I've said, I like to control what's happening with my image, and that starts in the camera. And every single part of your um, final shot has been doctored or created yes. by you? Every single part of my image has been manipulated and controlled and placed by me. That sounds quite a long and laborious process. It depends on the image. Some of them come together quite fast, and but then you can spend a lot more time after that just finally tweaking and, and creating. But others can take, yeah, I've had one that I've worked on every day for a week. But Usually within about five or ten minutes I can see whether it's going to work or not, you know, with where I wanted it to go. Or others I'll get so far and then I'll just, no, I'll come back to that tomorrow with slightly fresh eyes. Mm. Yeah. So it can, and that works, does it? Uh, the one I've just done, it did, yes. If you're interested in finding out more about today's guests, you can access Tony's work on his website, twgold.com. .co.nz and you can access Jennifer's work on her website jennifer at jbphotoart.co.nz Thank you very much for joining us today Jennifer it's been a really interesting discussion Thank you very much Ross it's been an interesting experience to be here And many thanks to you our listeners we've loved having your company throughout 2022 Join us again in February as we kick off another great year of shows about art in and around Dunedin until then, we wish you Merry Christmas, a safe and happy festive season. If you'd like to hear today's show again or listen to previous shows, you can find us on the Otago Access Radio and DPAG Society websites. Thanks to contributor Ross Curry and our producer Jonathan Quayle. I'm Sally McMillan and you've been listening to Sightlines. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.